Welcome to the Amazing Moms Podcast, a podcast for moms of special needs and medically complex children. Hi, my name is Crystal, and today I'm continuing about Autumn's journey. Um, We had started talking in the last episode about what Autumn's first two years were kind of like and how we discovered that she wasn't developing typically and some of the things that we found out in those first year or two of her life. Um, A lot of you have asked about Autumn to know a little bit more about her circumstances. Um, So I guess that when you're listening to the podcast, you have a better idea of our family and the struggles that we might have and the journey that we're on. Um, So this is just more information about Autumn. And for this one, I've decided to kind of just go through our team of the doctors that we have um, and the specialists that we have. I do like to call them a team. I think it's really helpful when they're able to communicate with each other. Unfortunately, because of insurance issues, we weren't able to have all of our doctors under one children's hospital. We are split up among two of the main ones in our area, Um, but we have had a lot of success with doctors being able to coordinate with each other, um, and we feel like we have a pretty responsive team, so that makes us happy. Um, So here here we go. Um, I know most of you also probably have a lot of these same similar specialists that you deal with on a regular basis. Um, But since you had asked for a more clear picture of Autumn, here we go. Um, So Autumn does have a neurologist, and our neurologist kind of keeps check on her intellectual disability. Um, We also have some trouble with word finding. And just in general, she is one of our main points of contact. She helps us with seizures and seizure medications. Um, Autumn seizures, most of the time are complex partial She has had tonoclonic and atonic seizures as well, but it was mostly um, complex partial. And even now we do see mostly the complex partial. Um, We have a neuropsych who we actually have seen quite a few times who does her, um, I guess, IQ testing, um, her evaluations for neuropsych exams. And that's been beneficial that we've actually had the same one since she started. It's one who specializes in genetic disorders. So this doctor is actually really familiar with her and is able to help track her progress based on the past experiences that he's had with her. Um, We usually try to do a neuropsych. We were doing one like every other year. When her seizures were really high, we were doing them actually yearly. It was just a good check to see to make sure she wasn't like losing skills or just to see where we were. Um, But recently, after our last exam, they said it was okay for us to wait a bit and not to come back until she was around 15. So that's really good. Um, We also have a neurogeneticist, and she was the one who helped us to discover through the whole exome sequencing where the mutations were for Autumn and what we thought were causing the majority of her issues. And in addition to that, we have a geneticist, and the geneticist, you know, explains the test to us and also helps give us a clearer picture of what the mutations um, can can cause. Um, and they are, she is also the one that helped us as well as the neurogeneticist. They work together in tandem and they helped us to get into a research paper with other children who also had a C not one variation, um, which was really helpful because by finding that information, we were able to compare the information of other children with a similar mutation on this gene, what symptoms they had that were the same as Autumn and what things were different. And also with some of those children who were older, it gave us a chance to look and see what the future might hold and what things we should be looking for. 
Um, Autumn also has an ENT, so she's had PE tubes a few times, as well as an audiologist. Um, at one point, they talked about a hearing aid for her, but it seems like her hearing has actually gotten better. Um, so every test that we've done since then, since getting the PE tubes, has definitely been better. Um, we do still have one PE tube in that we're hoping falls out on its own. If not, they'll go in and take it out surgically as well. Um, we have a GI doctor, and she's the person who has helped us with our swallow studies. We have found that Autumn has trouble with mixed textures, so she's not really supposed to eat like cereal or soups, things that have like liquid plus solid. Um, additionally, she's not supposed to use a straw. Um, she has trouble with those. And also the GI takes care of her feeding tube. So Autumn does have a feeding tube. She got the feeding tube when she was three, um, actually following a six-week um, feeding program, day feeding program, but she still wasn't taking in enough nutrition. Um, since then, she actually eats really well by mouth, and almost all of her nutrition comes by mouth. Occasionally, if we're having a day where she needs some supplement, she may get some Pediasure, but mostly her tube is used for hydration. Um, she has a really hard time keeping herself hydrated and is prone to dehydration, so we use the tube for that, and we also use it for medication administration as well. Um, and she does get an overnight feed still with a protein mix. Um, again, some of these things maybe she could do without, but we've been successful. And I feel like staying the course since we're doing so well right now, I really don't want to change anything. Um, so we're kind of just holding steady at this point. Um, along with the GI doctor, Autumn has a nutritionist that also follows actually two different nutritionists we've actually had help with, one through GI and another through cardiology that help us with dietary needs and just making sure she's getting everything she's supposed to and that she's not getting too many calories since she's not very active and she tires so easily. Um, we also still have trouble with constipation and she's treated for that. Um, and that also is something that GI helps us take care of. Um, as far as Autumn's eyes, she is followed by um, an ophthalmologist. She has trouble with double vision, and it seems like the double vision mostly happens when she's fatigued. Um, during normal times, she doesn't really have the problem, but when she is tired, she often will have double vision of things that are far away, um, and sometimes her pupils are not the same size. They're not equally dilated, so ophthalmology helps us with that. Um, also, Autumn also sees a developmental pediatrician once a year who kind of looks at the big picture and tries to help decide if there are any services or tests or anything that Autumn needs. Um, it's just kind of a nice point of check-in, another advocate for us to have. And she does a little bit of her own intellectual testing um, at the time of the visit just to kind of see where Autumn is and if she's made any gains. Um, as far as the intellectual disability, I would say I usually try to say that I feel like Autumn is around five, but maybe she's a little younger, but she's kind of a little bit of an enigma because she actually has a really nice vocabulary, but she definitely is not at the maturity level and the and the intellectual level of a 12-year-old. Um, we actually are really excited because recently she has made some gains in reading. We actually re really thought she was never going to read, and I actually think that she learned to read by the captions on YouTube because she gets, as many of our children do, she'll be obsessed with the same show or movie. Um, and so by watching it over and over and her repeating what they were saying, I think she was actually seeing the words as well. Also, we've had some 
better luck with a newer seizure med that we've been using and her seizures have been better. So I think that's also another reason why she's been able to start reading. Um, the word finding difficulties that often accompanied her times of high seizures, that has subsided some. And, you know, everyone kept telling us, and of course we knew, it's really hard to read when you can't even find words to talk. So how are you supposed to retrieve a word, a written word, if you can't even find it when you just want to speak? So since some of that has cleared up, we actually think that might be one reason why she's doing better with her reading as well. Um, so the developmental pediatrician was actually really happy with that at our last visit. Um, also, Autumn also has um, hypothyroidism, so she is followed by endocrinology. She's also on the shorter side, so they're watching her growth just to make sure she's still following her own normal pattern, which looks to be good at this point. Um, but the endocrinologist has been helping us to find the right level of thyroid medication that we need um, and, and to keep an eye on the constipation and the fatigue on their end as well. Um, Autumn has had kidney stones in the past and she's often had dark brown urine, which seems to be a problem from not just the kidney stones, but from the dehydration. So she's followed by nephrology for that. Um, I probably should also note that we didn't think that Autumn would ever be potty trained. She was about eight years old before she was urine potty trained. And I still don't think she can feel everything completely um, because sometimes she'll be using the bathroom and she'll say, I'm done. And she actually is still has a stream coming out. So I'm not really sure that she feels everything, but we were really happy. She was probably about eight and a half when she finally potty trained. Um, kind of on her own. It was kind of like a, a thing that she wanted to do, I guess. Um, but nephrology does have us still, she needs at least two liters of liquid per day to keep her urine more clear and to keep away the kidney stones. Um, and additionally, she also um, wears a diaper at night because of the overnight feed. So we're still using diapers, but we don't need them during the day. But with the overnight feed, she definitely doesn't have control of her bladder at night. Um, so we are also followed by cardiology, kind of more as a precaution than anything else, except that we also have found through all the genetic testing that she has a mutation on one of her cholesterol genes, which kind of pales in comparison to everything else. But since there is a, early, a history of early heart attacks on her dad's side of the family, um, they're keeping a close watch on that. And her brother, who is only 16, is already on cholesterol medicine because he has the same mutation as well. So cardiology is following us for that mutation, the high cholesterol, and just to make sure that, you know, to do an echo every couple of years, just to make sure that everything still looks good um, for her heart. Um, we were followed by orthopedics and an orthotics person because Autumn wore braces all the way up until like last summer. She would wear the AFOs. Um, but then they said last year that if if we didn't really think they were doing a whole lot to help her, that she could choose not to wear them. So we kind of phase those out. She says she feels like she has a little bit better balance with those, but they're more concerned that the AFO might be kind of like keeping things a little bit too tight. So she's not able to move as freely um, as she would be able to without. And since most of her time is spent at home, she often goes without shoes and they said that was good for strengthening. So we've kind of moved away from the orthotics and the orthopedic. Um, she does have scoliosis, but it's pretty mild. So they will keep an eye on that as well. Um, we're followed by pulmonology. So we found through sleep studies that 
Autumn actually is not clearing her CO2 when she sleeps. I think it's called hypercapnia. And so she was put onto a pulse, I'm sorry, she was put onto a CPAP. Um, but also because of some of the seizures that we've had and the fact that she hasn't, you know, she would often have a lot of mucus and um, they were concerned about seizures in her sleep, blocking her airway. So we also have a pulse ox machine. And then in the midst of one of our later sleep studies that we did, we actually found that she did have a need for oxygen as well. So she does um, use oxygen at night, not a very, not a large amount. And the CPAP, she's actually pretty good about it. She does ask for a break here and there from wearing the CPAP, but she does pretty well with both of those things. Um, and then recently, we also had a muscle specialist involved because we were having problems with tingling and sleeping in the legs and not being able to move the legs. But we did do the EEG and everything actually looked good. Um, so we, I'm sorry, not the EEG, the EMG. So we actually think that everything was good. So I don't think we'll be following up with them as well. Um, and then the last person on our team that I can think of right now is our allergist. So Autumn's actually uh, um, allergic to the seizure medicine that seems to be working the best. So we actually just manage it with um, allergy medications. So she has about three allergy medications in addition to her seasonal allergies and pet allergies. It helps with the medication allergies as well. She's prone to just hives even before the medication. She often has problems with hives. Um, so I think that's pretty much like a quick brief overview of Autumn and the different things that we have. Um, we've had behavioral therapists in the past as well. Autumn's behavior actually really is pretty good. We are reaching those teenage years, so we may end up needing to go back in for that. But um, right now, everything's going pretty well. So here are my three takeaways from today's. Um, one goes back to what we talked about last time, and that is treat the symptoms. So I remember talking in the last episode about how we you know, really thought the very first doctor's appointment, we were going to get all these answers and the way to fix it. And it was going to be like, okay, here's what we do. Um, but instead, we were kind of told like, hey, with some children, we never really know what's going on. You just have to treat the symptoms. So that's what we've done. We've treated the symptoms, all of these different um, body things and specialists, you know, we've just treated them as they've come along. And it really has worked well for us. I think we tend to be a little bit on the aggressive side when treating but again, it's worked for us, um, and I don't think we're ever putting her through anything unnecessary. I just think that it's been helpful for us to stay ahead of things. So I feel like right now we're in a really good place. And one thing I'm super thankful for is that all of these symptoms that she has, I feel like in comparison, they're all pretty mild. Like, yes, they're going on, but none of them are life-changing right now. We've had times where, you know, things have gotten a little out of control, but right now we're in a pretty good spot. Um, I think that number two is that when you have all of these different doctors, it's probably important to make sure that they have communication and that you have communication with them, that they're accessible for when you have questions. Again, we've had times in the past where, you know, one doctor is thinking, oh, the leg pain and the leg tingling could be from this and a different doctor thinks it's this. And unless they're kind of talking to each other and giving the point of view that they have from their specialty, I think it really is hard to get anywhere. Also, sometimes I feel like they're kind of like pushing it off, thinking another specialist is going to help us take care of it. And then nobody's really taking care of it. And then we're the ones who are trying to advocate for our child and say, hey, this is still going on and we're not sure what to do. You know, who wants to take this and run with it? Do we need a test? Do we need a medication? Do we need someone to see us? 
um, kind of go from there. And thirdly, I wanted to say that when you have as many doctors and specialists to deal with as we all do, I think it's really helpful if you could have that information in a cloud-based system somewhere so that if you're not able to make, if you're not able to access the information, if you're sick or not able to um, to give somebody the information about what your child needs, if there's a place that you can keep everything, that would be good. So we have a Google Doc. Um, I could probably talk more about that later. That kind of is like the cares for autumn, like everything that needs to be done in a day. And we've shared that with the people who are closest to us. It's just a, a shareable link. So it's easy for me to go and update it when I need to. And then also I use Trello. And in Trello, I have a dedicated list for autumn. And on that list is a card for each doctor that has their contact information, what prescriptions they take care of filling for us when the next appointment is. So that way, if anything were to happen to me, there is a place outside of where outside of my brain and just outside of my phone that people could access the information to be able to continue helping her. Okay, so that's it. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for joining me today. If you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out. You can reach me at amazingmomspodcast at yahoo.com. I love questions. I'm always happy to answer them. Or if you have suggestions for a show topic, I'm happy for that as well. And if you could remember to subscribe if you enjoyed today's podcast, that would be great too. Have a great day.